Hello and welcome to the I Want to Know podcast. I'm Josh Spector and I am your host. If you don't know who I am, I'm the creator of the For the Interested newsletter, which you can check out at fortheinterested.com. If you're new here, this podcast exists for a simple reason, to help creative entrepreneurs get their questions answered. Here's how it works. On each episode, a different guest comes on and asks me three questions. We have about a 10-minute conversation about each of them, and that is it. No fluff, lots of actionable tips. We get right to the good stuff, hopefully, and you'll find it valuable, as will the guests. And a quick note before we begin. I mention my skill sessions all the time on this show, but here's something I actually haven't mentioned about them. 88% of my skill sessions members renew their annual subscriptions. I'm really proud of that, but the question is, why do so many people want to continue getting them? The short answer is because they're really valuable, really useful, and affordable. Go to joshspector.com slash sessions to learn more about one of the best ways I can help you accomplish your goals. If you like my podcast, you will absolutely love my skill sessions. Trust me, check them out, joshspector.com slash sessions. Okay, now let's get on with the show. Today, my guest is Josh Shane. Josh has spent 15 years helping marketers power and grow their businesses with design. His company, DesignBolt, is reimagining the traditional agency model of per-project quotes, contracts, and invoices, and instead offering clients all the design they need for one simple fixed-rate monthly subscription. It is a really cool and interesting model. Highly recommend you check them out. Further, on a personal note, Josh is a brilliant conversationalist, incredibly handsome, effortlessly charming, and is perhaps the best in the world at writing his own effusive podcast intros. Love that. So with that in mind, hey, Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks for doing this. Congratulations on writing maybe the most interesting intro yet for this show. We can stop right now. Success. Yeah, exactly. That's it. So now you guys know who Josh is. You know what my skill sessions are. You can log off and go do stuff. Go hire Josh and buy Josh's skill sessions. It's a real heavy Josh episode. Okay. I'm really excited for today's episode because Josh and I have talked beforehand and he has an interesting product. And what we're going to do today is we're really going to do a deep dive into his offer, his sales page, how he's using or could use a newsletter to help drive sales of that product. I think everyone's going to find it really helpful. So let's jump into it. Josh, what is the first thing you want to know? So one of the things I do with my design agency is I have a product that is a web design audit where basically people send me their website and then I have a session with them where I evaluate the design, the branding, content, usability. All these things that I've spent 15 years working on with clients and really at a glance, I can see what can make a site so much better. And so my goal is to offer like really actionable feedback they can take so they can better reach their goals. I've been getting a lot of traffic to that design audit page, some from ads, but it's not converting. And I want to know, first of all, just how can I improve this offer? Okay. First of all, what we're going to talk about, and we're going to get into the sales page itself later, but just so everyone can check it out. If you go to designbolt.co slash audit, this is basically the offer and service and sales page that we're going to be talking about. Let me ask you a question. So the offer we're talking about is this audit, which I believe at the moment you charge $350 for, right? $349 for... I think it's three. Nine, yeah, 349. That's 349 for like a 60-minute call where you do this, where you do this audit. Talk to me about is your goal ultimately 
do you view this as a standalone product or do you view this as sort of an intro to them then hiring you? Like you look at their website and you go, you need all this stuff fixed and then you're going to hire me. So how do you think about it? I originally thought of it as like this kind of way to bring people into my orbit and help mm. them out. And then maybe they would become customers. But a lot of the, so I worked with a number of people on it already. And those people have, I think, been clients that maybe wouldn't necessarily be able to take advantage of my other mm -hmm. offer, which is aimed at a little bit slightly bigger companies. So I look at it as like a, a lower tier that where I can still help a bunch of people with these service, with these like insights that I would have mm -hmm. normally for a, a larger company. So they're getting kind of this like top tier design expertise, but for a, a lower price. So let's talk about uh, target audience, because there have been a couple of times, I think, even as you describe it, that you use the phrase people, sure. which is always a red flag to me I, because it's just, you know, I think it's always better to try to get more specific. And I think you might even we'll get into this when we talk about your sales page, but I think you might even use the term people somewhere on your sales page as well. But so talk to me for this specific product, this audit. Who do you see as kind of the, the target audience for it? So I think at this rate, it's probably small business owners or people that maybe have a like a landing page, like a SaaS landing page or something mm -hmm. like that, where they're looking to get more leads or conversions from their site. Okay. And do you think that they are, so obviously they're people that already have a website up because you need something to audit. Are they the kind of people that have built or are managing their site themselves? Do they have a designer? Uh, do they have a guy either full-time or a contractor or somebody that does it for them? What's their relationship to their site sort of currently? I think it can be any number of things. They don't necessarily have to be managing it themselves. Mm -hmm. I've had clients that work for a bigger company and they use this almost as a way to tell their boss, like I told you the landing page needs mm -hmm. to be fixed. And here's an expert who's telling me specifically what we can do. I've had people that have, had a designer that they work with and they're just kind of passing it on to them. But a lot of the people do kind of are, again, a small business owner, so they are doing it themselves in the end. So it's kind of multiple. Let me ask you a question. Is it multiple by default because there's a bunch of people, can you help or intentionally? Would you rather, is there an ideal among those different types of people? I guess in terms of a connection for my larger business, the ideal would be people that work at a company that have a landing page or they have something that they want to pass on up the chain mm -hmm. and they have some kind of a system where they can get something implemented. So it doesn't have to be either or, but I think it's something interesting for you to think about in terms of positioning this offer as, you know, because the clearer you get, and again, one of my things that when I talk about ideal audience, and I talk about this in a lot of different ways. And also I'm saying audience, but it could be ideal customer, or ideal client, whatever. You know, I think about it. Who do you most want to serve and who can you best serve? So thinking about who is this audit or this service going to be most valuable to? But I think the more that you can hone in on that, the more it's going to allow the offer and the way you message and position it to get way more specific and talk directly to them and therefore be a perfect fit for them. The other thing is when I use, and you've probably heard me say this before, but when I use the term ideal, it's really important to understand that it doesn't mean only. So you're positioning things to attract the ideal, but there are still going to be other people outside of that who want it. So you might say the ideal is this is to help people at bigger companies, but there's still going to be people out there that see it and go, well, I just have a small business, but I'd really love this as well. So we tend to think if I sort of niche down the messaging that I'm going to exclude all these other people that I could help, you probably won't exclude as much as you think you might. 
So in that case, it might even make sense to flip it because on the smaller company side, I do find it really fulfilling to help mm -hmm. smaller companies. I kind of built my career on working with small mm -hmm. startups and people getting their businesses going. And I yeah. really like doing that. And I think moving up and do working with larger companies now, I do miss that a bit. Yeah. So maybe that is a good focus for this. Is mm -hmm. And my guess is they might, and again, that's where I go, who's it more valuable to? They might need it more or get more out of it. They might be more likely to act on, this is the other thing that, you know, I found as a consultant, there's nothing more frustrating than someone pays you for a call, a consultation, whatever. You're like, here's the things that you should do. And then they don't act on it. I've had people who they're like, oh my God, this was so helpful. Thank you. Like they're happy customers. But it drives me crazy when six months later I look and I go, they're not doing any of it. So even though it was a good customer and I got paid and whatever, it can feel like a waste of time. So I'm always interested in who's most likely to act on what I'm going to give them as well. Totally. Yeah. I mean, consulting is about helping people. And yeah, know, if you want to help people, ideally you want them to take your advice. Yeah. You know? So let me ask you, so I'm going to ask you a couple questions here. And again, there's no right or wrong answer, but I think it's helpful to just sort of think about. You know, one thing is, and, and this is coming at it from the point of, okay, you're getting a bunch of people here. They're seeing the offer. They're not necessarily converting. Why are they not converting? Let's assume they're the right people. And let's assume that the product is valuable, which I think it is. So now let's sort of dive in and go, well, why might they not be converting? One thing that comes to mind, and some of this is about language and the messaging around it as well. But one thing that popped in my head was like, does an audit help solve a problem or does it create a problem? I think, and this doesn't mean that an audit's not a valuable service to offer, but I'm just thinking in terms of messaging, right? Are there people who, you know, your ideal audience who go to your website and they go, this looks really good. And some of this is conscious, but some of this is subconscious, right? In the back of their mind, they're going, this guy's going to point out 20 different things that I need to fix. And one of two things at that point is going to happen. Either I got a bunch more work to do or that I need to have someone else do for me, or I'm going to wind up not doing it. It's just going to kind of confirm to me. And I have this mental anxiety of, oh God, I'm, you know, my site's a mess and whatever. Theoretically, you know, that is a potential issue because it could hold them back from doing it because they're like, if I buy this call, yes, it's going to be helpful and it's going to be valuable, but now I'm going to have a whole other problem. And so how can you counter, and this gets in a little bit to this sort of done for you or done by you, you know, whatever. And again, I'm not suggesting you don't do an audit, but I think it's something to be aware of that may be making people hesitant to pull the trigger. So I'll give you an example for my own thing. My camera setup, video setup is not good. I know it's not. I know I need it. I need to improve it. I need to get equipment. For the longest time, like I held off because I was like, I don't want to get the course. I don't want to learn how to do this stuff because once I do, and it's not about buying the equipment and doing all of that. It's about the perceived work of, well, now I got to go set it up and I got to bring lights in here and I got to do whatever it is. And I have to figure out how to do it. And I eventually bought the court, bought a great course from Kevin Shen, who's like the guru of, you know, camera setup, whatever. And I'm halfway through it and it's really good. And I'm dragging my heels because I know, okay, once I sort of cross over, in, I want to improve it. I want to get, have a better thing. I know lots of people do it. I know intellectually, it's probably not going to be as hard as I think it is, but that friction of, well, once I do this. And so I wonder if there are people who in part, they want an audit because they know there's stuff wrong with their site. But there's that hesitancy of, 
It feels like I'm going to create work for myself. It feels like it's going to be difficult. And I think speaking to that, even without changing the offer, but speaking to that and addressing it and maybe some messaging along the lines of, yeah, I'm going to show you things that you're missing, but I'm going to show you exactly how to fix them in this audit. You think it's going to be really complicated and it's not. And maybe it's testimonials from people who are, you have some great testimonials of people saying, I did the audit and it was great, but maybe getting some testimonials from people that were like, I didn't realize that it was three hours worth of work and it changed everything. Conveying that it's not necessarily going to be that hard and it's not necessarily going to be overwhelming because I think that's a huge fear that probably holds people back from buying this or any audit product, really. Because essentially you're giving them a roadmap, but then they got to do it. So you want to make sure that your offer is not creating a problem for people. It's helping them solve a problem. And then along those lines, I think going a step further, there's a question of, is audit the right word? Because what audit says is, hey, I'm going to give you a list of things that are wrong. In some ways it's helpful because it says exactly what it is, but this is not great language, but it's a sort of general concept, right? If what you sent was, if what people are paying for is they're going to get a customized 10-step plan to improve their site. So you're selling, they're like, oh, he's going to tell me exactly what to do versus he's going to look and tell me what's wrong. That's There's what some like, semantics there, even if it's the know, same it's thing. Like, it's like get a custom session where you find out how to improve your conversions or increase your leads. Right. Or it, it's more about exactly. on that outcome. Right. In X amount of step, you're going to get an action plan. The difference between we're going to do a call and I'm going to give you an action plan to get X versus I'm going to audit your thing. Yeah. And I think, again, this speaks to your point about finding your ideal audience as well, because yeah. if I'm talking about, you know, I have a lot of language on the site, which is help you reach your goals, which is this very yeah. abstract idea. And if it becomes a lot more, I will help you increase your leads. And it's just yeah. focused on people that have a small business website that is trying to get more leads in the door. I can really lean into that. So that leads into the next thing. And one of the things that prompted our conversation was Josh had run an ad in my newsletter to promote this offer, which was great. And I sent a bunch of people his way and he said, you know, it was great, but it didn't, it wasn't converting. And that's part of what made you say, I'm trying to figure out if there's what's missing in my sales page and my offer, et cetera. And so I just want to point out when people run an ad in my newsletter, which by the way, you can do it for the interested.com slash ads, you'll reach like 50,000 creative entrepreneurs. So when you buy an ad, you basically get two ads. You get a Sunday ad, which you write the copy for, and then I write the copy for a weekday ad. Now, in fairness, my weekday ads always get more clicks than the Sunday ads. But, and that, that has to do with format. That's not just that my copy is better. But I do think, I, you know, obviously my copy, I understand sort of how to position things. But so I just want to, I want to read, and this isn't really about the ad copy, but I think it gets into sort of positioning of an offer. So I want to read the copy that you had and then the copy that I had. So your copy was improve your website's impact with a custom design audit, book a 60-minute call and get actionable feedback to transform your site's effectiveness. That got 53 clicks. And again, the clicks, the weekday ones always get more than the Sunday ones. So this isn't just about copy. But I want to talk about your copy, right? So improve your website's impact with a custom design audit. We just talked about the word audit, but also the phrase improve your website's impact. One of the things that I always think about when you're talking about sales copy, offer copy, is my target audience using any of the phrases that I use? My guess is you're doing that to describe the sort of broad value. The problem is nobody's out there going, I wish I could improve my website's impact. Like you said, 
they're looking for more leads, more conversions. I want, you know, X, Y, and Z. So you always want to try to use the words that they're using. The other thing from an ad perspective is in the ad, you're saying book a 60 minute call. Again, you want to be very careful about it feeling like work, especially in an ad copy, right? They don't know anything. They're looking at an ad in a newsletter. They haven't seen your site. They haven't seen anything. And now they're like, well, am I going to click this to book a 60 minute call? You want to, the purpose of an ad is curiosity to drive them to your site where they're then getting more information and then they're going to book a 60 minute call. So that ad book a 60 minute call is making it feel like work. You always want to in ad copy and that kind of stuff. You always want to amplify the curiosity and the value without amplifying the, oh, it's work, it's expensive, it's whatever. So my copy was today's emails brought to you by a way to get actionable feedback on your website's design and advice on how to make it more effective. I'm not talking about 60 minute call. I don't use the improve your website's impact because I think feedback on your website's design, you know, curiosity. Again, in the context of the ad, they don't know where they're going or what it is. They don't know if that's free or not or anything. Book a 60 minute call. They know, okay, this is going to be, if I click this ad, this is going to cost me money. And I'm not saying that you hide that, but I'm saying the goal of an ad is to get them into your world where they're going to learn what it is. And then they're going to be more likely to, to buy. You know, that's not necessarily just about, about ad copy, but I think there's a general lesson there with all your copy and the positioning of your offer. Again, use words that they're using. Don't make it seem like work, even though it is, you know, at some level it is, but that's at the end, right? You want them to be like, oh, this seems really valuable and helpful. The next thing I wanted to touch on here is, and you kind of, you actually touched on it yourself a little bit. Should you niche down to a specific type of client or business or site? But I'm going to take it a step further and go, should your sales page actually be multiple sales pages aimed at specific audiences? And this is especially when you're, you could have a main sales page that says, are you a SaaS founder? Are you a whatever? Click here. And from ads, you could drive specifically, you can tailor your messaging, right? Would a sales page for this audit, specifically speaking to SaaS founders, and then a separate one, specifically speaking to small business owners or whatever, would those convert better, assuming you're driving the right people? And the chances are they probably would, as opposed to, because in always the more specific you get, the better it's going to resonate. So one of the challenges you may have is that you're putting all these specific people into sort of a general world. And so they feel like, okay, this might help me. But again, when you know you're talking to someone specific, it makes it much easier. The other thing I would say, just a few other sort of general thoughts on the offer. So one thing is people go, people always look at it and they go, this offer isn't really converting or it's not converting as well as I would want. One of the big things is thinking about where's that traffic coming from and what are they expecting? That's always something to keep in mind. And then along with that goes, you know, do you have a conversion problem or is it actually an awareness or marketing mm -hmm. problem? Are you sending the wrong people to it? Are they spe expecting the wrong things? Is it too broad? Is that kind of thing? Does the messaging not match? Another thing is to always consider what problem is your offer solving? And is it one that the audience knows it has? Yeah. And this is where I get into, or not get into, but I think you touched on it before. They know they have a lead problem right. or they know they have a conversion problem. No one's out there going, I need an audit. Well, maybe some people are. But for the most part, people aren't out there going, I need an audit of my website. They're going, I need to figure out how to get more conversions. So matching that. 
The other thing to think about, and again, this is true of all offers, but and it doesn't have to be one or the other, but I think it's a common marketing thing that's worth considering. Are you offering a vitamin or a painkiller? And the concept here is some services or products, whatever, are vitamins. Here's how this is going to help you. And that's valuable. But a painkiller is, I got a real problem and you're going to solve it. Painkillers are much easier to sell than vitamins. Some of this is about the positioning of the offer. I'm going to help you get more conversions. I'm going to help you get more leads is different than I'm going to let you know if your website is missing some things. Uh, and then one last question about the offer before we move on here. How did you come up with the price point and is what's the sort of logic behind it? And pricing is a whole other rabbit hole and a lot of it is a guessing game and testing and whatever. But I'm just curious if there was, you know, how did you wind up pricing it where you did? This is something that I feel like has a lot of value. I've had customers mm -hmm. that have really increased their conversions based on the feedback I've given them. And so it's made their sites more profitable. So I think there's a lot of value there. And then in terms of pricing, it's a new service. So what I wanted to do was start out with what I thought was lower pricing than mm -hmm. I think it's maybe worth. Kind of test the road a little bit, make sure I help a bunch of people, get more testimonials. And then as I kind of grow, increase the pricing over time. So I didn't want to start too high. I just wanted to like okay. let it build naturally. So and I picked 350. That was the cost of your ad at the time. Yeah. And I was huh? like, oh, great. So if I get one of these sales, there it'll pay go. for the cost of the ad. Yeah. So that's really where I, where I landed. Okay. So a couple of things that we talked about before that I think can impact and help you with the pricing. And by the way, there's no, I'm not saying it's a good or bad price. There's no right or wrong. And, and it's all sort of, you know, testing. But a couple of things. One is the more prominently you play up 60 minute call, the more people are going to look at the price in terms of time, which is not what you want. You want them to look at it in terms of value and results. So the fact that this service is delivered through a 60 minute call is not, that just happens to be how you deliver it. What you don't want is you don't want people going for better or worse, by the way, right? Some people might look at it and go, oh, that's cheap. I'd rather they go for $350. I'm going to, I'm going to learn how to increase my conversions because that is way more valuable then for $350, I'm going to get 60 minutes of this guy telling me what's wrong with my website. I would weigh, and we'll get to the sales page in a second, and you have book a 60-minute call. And even in your ad, you put book a 60-minute sure, call. Yeah, yeah. I would way play that down and way play up the actual value that they're going to get. Not that it's a guarantee, but that's what they're, th that's what they're really paying for, yeah. right? I'm paying for you to tell me how to get more conversions or more leads or, or whatever. And that's way more valuable, especially depending on the business. The other thing is, if you do go down a route where you have multiple different sales pages or you have different sort of niches, the value in those niches may be different. We're breaking from they're paying for 60 minutes of my time. I'm making this up, but the value of a SaaS company increasing conversions, you may charge double for the SaaS audit, whatever. Then you do the small business. You might even, you know, solopreneur one, whatever it is, right? The big company one. So even though on your end, the product is basically the same, you're tailoring the advice and they don't, they don't necessarily know that. The key here is you are not paying for 60 minutes of my time. You are paying for me to help you do this. And 60 minutes, a 60 minute call is how I actually do it, which by the way, it's more than 60 minutes anyway, because you have to look at their site and, you know, we, we all know that. That's a really key thing that you want to make sure that you're not sending the message that you're paying for my time. 
And by the way, like I, I don't, I haven't really talked much about this publicly, but you know, I charge $1,500 for my clarity call and I get people all the time that are like, oh, I didn't think it was going to be that much. Like it's a 90 minute call. And I'm like, you're not paying for the 90 minute call. You're paying for what I'm about to give you is going to help you figure out all your content and everything, your entire approach moving forward, which is probably worth way more than $1,500. Just because it's a 90 minute call of how we do it and, and go through it, that's not what you're paying for. And I think that's really important for you within the offer to, again, the sales page, the messaging, the ads, to make sure that people understand that they're not paying for a 60 minute call. Right. They're paying for a result, which is what doesn't mean you can guarantee the result. There's a lot of variables, but that's what, that's the actual value of what's intended. And thinking about the offer itself, that's an interesting point about the 60 minute thing. Cause I've, I deliberated on the format of this a lot. Mm -hmm. I think the alternate version of this that I was considering is a not one-on-one. -on -one. It's a, mm -hmm. I record a video. I go through your yep. website. I pre, I create the same actionable feedback. You still get this report at the end. You get this video at the end. Maybe it reduces the friction a little bit where people aren't like, oh, I have to find a time. It's going to take time for me to sit with someone. Yeah, that's you true know? too. And by the way, it also creates an option for you to have multiple packages. So you might go for $250, you get this video analysis of whatever. For 500, you get the video analysis and we do a call to go through it, to answer quite, you know, whatever, right? You can figure it out and you can test and you can see, but you're right. I love that you brought that up because that's another piece of friction. I have to find time to schedule with this guy. We have to coordinate our schedules. I have to be a bit, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Again, for some people, that's really valuable. For other people, they're like, I'd rather have this guy just tell me what the deal is and I'll watch it at have time. Or even better, I'll send it to the person who actually does my website and right let them do it, which I know you give video recordings anyway, but yeah. I think all those things, the key is with any offer, this is what the value of this really is and aligning all that messaging and not confusing it, which I think happens by the way, in a million things. There are social media agencies where they're like, okay, if you hire us, we're going to do five posts a week on Instagram and we're going to do, no, I'm hiring you to get a result. And you're just focused on the sort of delivery method. Yeah. And of course, and I really tried to think about it too. It, it really shows yeah. you like, you know, it, it is very hard as a creator of something to get out of your own way. Cause when you're building your own package, you go, well, here's what you're going to get. I'm giving you all these yep. things. It's an hour of my time. Plus I'm going to spend another hour doing yep. a report for you, blah, blah, blah. But it's really helpful to think about that. Always keep pushing for that. Like final result, the client's getting. Yeah. And by the way, like I can sit here on these podcasts and talk to people all the time and do it. My own, it's a, I make all the mistakes that I tell people not to do. You're right. It's completely different when it's your own. I completely get it. Cool. So let's jump to your next question. So I guess kind of continuing on with this, just kind of looking at the sales page and seeing what is it about this page that maybe isn't, that's kind of missing the mark. A couple of things, just a quick reminder for anyone that's listening, we're going to look at designbolt.co slash audit, which by the time this airs may be changed be based, on what, based on what, we, yeah, exactly, based on what we talk about. But nonetheless, that's what we're going to look at. A few things here, and obviously as you change the offer and things we just talked about, this will change some of it. But I want to talk about just some sort of general observations and on sales pages and, and yours specifically from what I see. So the first thing I always look at is obviously what's the headline like that. That's really important. So right now your headline is actionable feedback to improve your website's impact. So that can probably be changed based on what we, we talked about before, but also one of the big things. And again, I see this all the time. So it's not just yours. 
but you see people using words that their audience is not using. And I think it's a great, it's a great way to test copy, headline copy or anything. Like you literally write your thing and you're like, okay, this sounds good. And you just look at it and you go, are any of my clients walking around going, I'm looking for actionable feedback to improve my website's impact? Yeah. They're probably not, which means you, you've fallen into sort of marketing speak and not, you really want to speak the language that they're using. One thing you can do with this, by the way, as you're trying to figure out copy, ask even previous clients that had a good experience and go, what were you looking for? Why did you do this? What were you trying to figure out? That's one of the best copywriting tricks is you're just going to use the words that other people are using. Both clients and people that maybe you talk to that are potential clients or people that contact you looking for help, what are you looking for? They will tell you and you will start to see not only trends in that, but you'll start to see, oh, that whatever words they're using, they're not the only ones using those words. The sub headline you have right now is, so the headline is actionable feedback to improve your website's impact. Then the subheadline is this one hour design audit will transform your site's effectiveness. A couple of things here. One, this goes back to what we were saying before, where there you are playing up the time component. You're leading very strongly. You put it in your ad. Clearly, like you're, that's a thing. And, and again, to me, I was like, this is really valuable. I'm going to sit right. one with you for an hour and really go yeah. through all these things. You know? And it is valuable, but you're also framing the way people are making the decision. And there's other more valuable things that you can frame. The other thing, so one thing that I thought was interesting here, so this one hour design audit will transform your site's effectiveness. And I wondered, I had this question, I was like, is that actually true? The reason why I say that is because with what you're offering and when you're offering an audit or when you're offering advice or consulting, whatever, nothing actually happens unless they act on the advice. The idea that your site is not going to be more effective at the end of this hour, that's not actually what they're getting. What they're getting is clarity on how to do it. They're going, the transformation is not site is ineffective and now site is effective. The transformation is actually confusion to clarity. Or the transformation is they're getting a specific action plan of what to do. It's a minor difference because ultimately the value is you are helping show them how to do it. But I think it's important because I think there are people, again, some of the, a lot of this is subconscious and instinctive, but there are people who will go, well, that's not true. Even if they're not thinking that consciously. And so it, it, it introduces doubt and underscores like that overselling that we feel a lot of times when people are like saying that every Twitter thread headline that's, you know, these three things are going to change your life. Yeah. It's no, it's not. Even if what they're about to share is super valuable, yeah. stop telling me it's going to change my whole life. Sure. And so I think that's something to be careful about because again, but I do think there's the concept there is right. Saying people are going to know exactly what to do. Because I think the kind of person that's also going to, you know, if you go back to sort of the core value of this offer, two things, right? They don't know what to do. They're not sure if they're missing something or, or something's wrong. They think there is. They're in a state of confusion. They want someone to either uh, a combination of sort of validate their concerns and more importantly, probably tell me what to do. Why did I buy a course, even though I haven't acted on it yet, which is a whole other thing, but why did I buy a course about how to improve my video setup? Because I just want someone to tell me what to do because I know it could and should be better. And this is what your audience is feeling. That is very valid and very valuable and very powerful. And what is going to happen, right? It's not true that after a one hour design audit, their site's going to be more effective. 
What's true is after this one hour conversation or after they get whatever they get from you, they're going to know exactly what's wrong and what to do. Yeah, I actually, I, so I have copy a little further down on the page that says you'll walk away with an expert roadmap to better align your web design with your desired outcomes. Again, exactly. it's still a little like. Uh, no, but the difference between that and we'll try, that is absolutely true and valid. What you just said too, which is, I think if I say something like, you know, your site, you know, you need a, you have yeah. a problem. You know, yep. your site can look better and perform better. Let me help you get there. I'm glad that you pointed that out because it's another key point with all sales pages that I think is super valuable. If you look at your sales page and you go, where am I playing into the emotions? Mm -hmm. And so many people miss this and it's the most powerful thing. That emotional transformation is actually the most powerful. So you're listing all these things and you're saying it's going to do this and it's going to do that. And we're going to help. And all of that is true. But where are the emotional elements? You feel confused. You know something is missing. That's the stuff that when people read, they go, oh, he's talking to me. Yeah. Totally. That's the stuff that really they identify with. And it's super powerful. So whatever you do, and this is with any, with any sales page, you can write the whole page. And when you're done with it, go look through and go, okay, how do I make every one of these feel more emotional? What emotions am I hitting on? Am I playing into with all of this copy? And what emotions does your target audience have? And there's very clear ones, again, especially if you talk about transformation. Your target audience probably feels confused. They don't know what to do. There's probably some FOMO. They're like, I know that there's things that I'm missing that would make this better. They're probably frustrated. I've spent all this time and effort on this website. I'm getting people to the website. It's not converting. There's a frustration. There's an anger there. It's possible they feel burned or they, whatever, this, there's a sort of lack of trust there. I hired this guy to build my website. He was supposed to be an expert. I feel like something is missing, that pause, kind of thing. The pause on that. And that's something yeah. I'm maybe a little worried about with this overall concept in a way too, is mm -hmm. this, it's an improvement offer in a lot of ways. And mm -hmm. I think there's a potential for making people feel bad about something that they just, it's like you're approaching people and being like, your website doesn't look great. It's not doing a good job for you. So they're not your clients. It's two things. So one, they're never going to hire you because they don't actually want to make it better. And two, they're not going to act on it anyway. If someone doesn't want to improve, they're never going to, if you're a trainer and the person doesn't want to be trained, they're never going to hire you're you. You're not anyway. walking up to people on the street being like, you know, you could really be in better shape. Right. And once you realize that, once you realize I don't care about them because they're not my client anyway, you then realize the people that are like, I put this time and effort in it. I want it to be as good as possible. Like they're, now you can speak to them. Here's another thing that's interesting. You have all, just from a messaging standpoint, you have already invested so much time and effort and money into this website. Isn't it worth $350 to, to discover the small tweaks that will actually capitalize? You're already invested. We're not talking about a new investment. I talk about this, my version of this in a totally different industry is I'm always fascinated by people that will spend 100 hours doing something and won't spend $100 to promote it. I actually believe it's like irresponsible and you owe it to yourself that you've invested so much, but somehow you view like money is different and I get it. Money is different. And, you know, but on a low level, like $350 is nothing compared to the amount of time and effort that they put into right. their website already. So, yeah. So I think once you realize I don't care about the people that are going to be like, don't offend me. You're not my audience anyway. I want the people that are like invested in this and I want to make it as good as it can be. And I'm going to, I'm going to speak to them.
The other thing I would say, and again, I know I'm sort of harping on the play down the sort of one hour, you know, whatever, just a general, you know, general question. I think this is true for anything where people are talking about time investment, not just calls, but you'll see courses where people are like, it's 18 hours of videos and blah, blah, blah. I think it's always helpful whenever you're sort of talking about time to ask yourself, is it a positive or a negative? Is the fact that it's a one hour call a positive or negative? And for some people, it's a positive. And for some people, it's a negative. Just like we talked about maybe making it available on demand as opposed to it being a live thing. Like there's no right or wrong, but understanding for your ideal people, is that a positive or a negative? You know, and how are you presenting? A couple other things just specifically on your site. So one thing that I thought was interesting is you have really good testimonials on there. And, but what's fascinating is when you look at most of the testimonials, they're talking about very specific benefits, mm -hmm. but then the headline is vague. Like the testimonials are actually more compelling. Some of the language in the testimonials is more compelling than the headline because it's more specific. There was one. So here's an example, right? After implementing advice for my web design audit, our bounce rate dropped 50%. Here's what's fascinating. Again, I'm not saying you use that specifically, yeah. but when you start thinking about the messaging and the positioning, for $350, I'm going to, you know, your bounce rate may drop 50% versus for $350, you're going to get a 60 minute call with me. There's another one here, increased our conversions overnight. Would be even better if there were specific numbers. If you can have, here's what happens from people that have done these. This person's conversion rate dropped 50 I mean, bounce rate dropped 50%. This person's conversion rate went from X to Y on a whatever product. You can get into financials potentially with some of that stuff. Those kind of things are great. So that's what I mean by like the sort of specificity. And the other thing I would say, and this is just a general note, it's not necessarily a bad thing, but having a book your call or a sort of buy now or whatever button at the top of the page, is anyone actually hitting who's coming to the page and where they're coming from. So in some ways, yes, it's convenient, but in most cases, no one's hitting it. So does it need to be there? Is it, and this is more, you're the design expert more so than me, but is it actually adding anything or is it just sort of one of those elements that it's a shortcut to get where people want to go? It might be better off being a little bit clear with the copy, you know, it's just like mm -hmm. new pricing. So, you know, I think people are right. like, how much does it cost? They just want to get to that right. right away. Or, you know, get your action plan. Again, once you change some of the pitch, having those call to action buttons amplify the, the positive benefit. Another one, so this gets, this is what I said about the emotional piece, but should some of your copy play into people's fears? The idea that they're missing obvious and simple stuff. There are things that they could do on their website that would take them 20 minutes to fix that would have a huge impact. Putting that in copy somewhere, do you realize and again, I'm totally riffing here, but you could even say or, you know, figure out, kind of make up some stats, but base them in reality, right? You could go, you know, 80% of the suggestions that I give people could be accomplished in 30 minutes or less. Again, you're playing into that. Oh my God, like this is not going to be, my fear of doing this is I'm going to get all this work. It's going to take forever and I'm not going to do it. Oh wait, there's really quick, simple things. Because your target audience, they're, the reason they're buying this is they're afraid they're missing something. So let's remind them that, or confirm to them that you are missing stuff. Yeah. And it's simple and it's not hard. You just need someone to show it to you. And then the other thing, again, a final general note that I think is really helpful for sales pages Great question to ask yourself. What are the three biggest reasons someone wouldn't buy this? Are you countering those on the sales page? My guess is you know why people, or if you give it some thought, you know why people wouldn't buy, but I don't know that you've countered those things on the sales page.
you're talking about this is why it's great. This is what it's whatever. But I don't see a lot of stuff there. Give me, for an example, give me one reason why you think people wouldn't buy it. I think someone would buy it, would not buy it because I think they maybe don't believe that it's going to actually help. Because they think you're just going to tell them stuff and they're not going to, they're going to have to do it. Or why would they think it won't help? I think they might feel like, who is this person? Can I trust them? Are they actually going to give okay. me actionable feedback or something that actually gets and you? Feedback? And so you get to some of your social proof and your testimonials are addressing that obstacle. So that you're actually sort of tackling. But my guess is if you force yourself to come up with, and you can come up, I said three, but you can come up with as many as possible, right? If you actually sat down in a list and came up with a list of like 10 reasons that people are going to say no, forcing yourself to do that, you're then going to address all those obstacles in there. And a lot of them, by the way, may be universal. So one reason why people will say no to anything is though it feels too expensive. How am I going to address it's too expensive? I'm going to reposition in their own mind why this is not expensive. Another common thing is they might go, again, like what I had said, you know, my first reaction was like, oh, it feels like this is going to be a lot of work for me. Well, that's me saying ad copy about, you know, this isn't going to be as complicated as you think it is, blah, 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 blah. Another reaction might be, I don't really know how to do this. It's going to be too technical. This would be a perfect one for you. He's going to give me a bunch of advice. It's going to be too technical. I don't know how to do that stuff. So maybe you have language on there that's countering that. The advice I give you is not, you don't need to be a coder. It's not super technical. It's not anything you're not going to be able to do. So when you force yourself to come up a list of reasons people might say no, and now you're incorporating messaging that counters those obstacles, your sales page is going to be way more powerful and effective. And if you have conversations with people who ultimately pass, ask them, mm -hmm. you know, hey, I'm just curious. What are the reasons you decided this wasn't for you? They'll tell you. And those are obstacles and you can now counter in your sales page. Cool. So that's sales page stuff. So let's let's jump to your third question. What's the last thing you want to know? Okay. So the third thing is, so the larger business, which is the design agency, I'm kind of just pivoted to this new model. I've been working with a couple clients on it, but I'm looking to create a content system where there's a newsletter and there's social media posts that kind of bring people in and I can find an angle to really help. Thinking about the ideal audience, I think that my audience are corporate marketing directors at, are looking to kind of find a solution to power ongoing design work that they have and to help them as they grow and scale. They don't want the overhead of a full-time employee. They're excited about the ability with my thing to pause or cancel at any time. They want to solve their design problems, basically. Something they know they need for their business. So I've been like racking my brain about kinds of newsletters. I really... I'm excited about it, you know, because I've been wanting to do this for a long time. And I wanted to come mm -hmm. up with something that solves their problem. On the whole, like, I have a concept. I'm trying to nail it down. I'm curious if you think this is something people would want. So let me so tell me what the concept is or yeah, tell I'll people tell you the concept. What the concept, the concept is called How to Speak Design, The Marketer's mm -hmm. Guide to Working with Designers. And my kind of landing page says, join smart, effective marketers. Subscribe to this newsletter. Every Monday, you'll learn the language, concepts, and tactics to use with designers. So you can produce the high impact materials you need to grow. Ideally, I'm like giving them little lessons in like communication. Here's what makes something an effective design. Here's how you can apply all this knowledge to getting what you need faster. I'm actually going to suggest an approach to you that I haven't really suggested or talked about before, but I think is really interesting in particular in your case. But before I get to that, I'm going to start with sort of, how's that for a tease? But before that, before I get to that, I want to start with sort of the concept that you just suggested. 
I like the concept. The problem is, and this is an assumption, my assumption is your ultimate goal for this newsletter, the reason why you'd be doing it all is to get leads and clients and people to hire you for your monthly full service design thing. Correct? Yes. Okay. So the problem is if you do a newsletter about how to communicate with designers aimed at marketers, the people it's going to attract are people who already have designers. Mm -hmm. So it's probably going to attract people that are like, oh, this is awesome. The designers that I have working for me full time or the freelancer that I have, whatever, it's so annoying because I feel like we're never communicating well. It's not going to necessarily attract people. The person that doesn't have a designer doesn't need to know how to communicate with a designer. Mm -hmm. I mean, they do, but they don't. Yeah. So I think there's, I like the concept, but I think there's a bit of an alignment problem. Okay. Possibly. But here's where I want to go with this, which is like a total left turn, probably as someone who's all about newsletters and thinks they're the greatest thing in the world. But based on your goal, I'm going to take a little bit of a left turn. The question that I'm going to ask, and not necessarily for you to answer, but I just think to think about and people in your situation where it's like they're doing a newsletter, but really they just, they're trying to attract clients and that's really what the goal is. So the question is, do you need an ongoing newsletter or just what I'm calling a pop-up newsletter? There's no set definition of this, but the idea of a pop-up newsletter is it's a, a thing that you create once. It has a set number of issues. Anybody who signs up gets it. It's almost like an email sequence, right? I like calling it a newsletter as opposed to an email sequence. Sure. You know, once a week for, let's say, five weeks or whatever it is. A lot of times people do it daily, but I like the idea of sort of a weekly pace, but it could be daily. It, the, that, that doesn't really matter. But the idea is you're not writing this ongoing newsletter forever. It has a clear start and finish, which, by the way, I think is not only good for the creator, but I also think is a selling point for people to sign up. People like the idea that something has a clear beginning and end. And I think of it, while I call it a newsletter, I think of it as an asset. I have done this recently as an experiment in a completely different niche. We'll put a link in the show notes. It's called Game Changer. I did it with a sponsor and it is a newsletter for parents and coaches of high school athletes to help them thrive in high school sports. Five issues. Everyone who signs up starts at issue one. It's timeless. It's a curated thing. People really like it. And it's funny because people are like, what do you mean? It's like only five issues. They're a little confused at first, like wrapping their head around it, but they like it. The first issue has like an 80% open rate. The last issue has like a 65% open rate. They're going through it. They're clicking the links. They're whatever. So here's what's interesting. So when I was thinking about you and your goals here, and what the, the thought that popped in my mind is I was like, would you be better served releasing multiple pop-up evergreen newsletters for specific different audience segments as opposed to this one ongoing newsletter? And one of the things here, again, it gets into how I think about what a quote unquote newsletter is. A newsletter is to me is simply a value delivery mechanism. It doesn't have to be ongoing forever. If you think about it as a standalone asset that delivers specific value to a specific audience, it gets interesting, especially with what you're trying to do. Let me give you two potential sort of six-month scenarios, okay? okay? So one scenario is you come up with a concept, whatever, the concept you currently have or some other thing that fits that's going to attract your audience, and you're going to publish a weekly newsletter for six months. You're basically going to write and publish 24 weekly issues. You're going to run three ads, hypothetically, over the course of 
those six months. So one every two months, let's just say you ran an ad in my newsletter, whatever you're going to do. You don't have to do this, but I'm just using this as a hypothetical of like how it grows. So you run three ads, you run an ad every two months promoting this newsletter to grow it. You're hopefully attracting people. You're continuing to publish it forever. And hopefully those people turn into clients. Yeah, That's the typical standard like newsletter advice that I would give to most people. Here's the other option. Instead of that, you create three separate five-issue pop-up newsletters. One, I'm making this up, one aimed at agency owners, one aimed at SaaS founders, one aimed at nonprofits. You would pick the niches. I'm just making this up. You've created 15 individual newsletter issues Mm -hmm. because there's five issues for each. The format is always the same. Some of the content might even overlap a little bit, yeah. but it's all tailored to that specific audience, which makes it more valuable to them. You still run an ad every two months. So you run three ads in my newsletter, but each of those ads is timed to the launch of different ones. So the ad is, you know, design whatever for agency owners, design whatever for SaaS founders or, you know, whatever it is, right? You figure it out and that's it. And each of those assets run so you can promote them on your site. You can, you know, anytime you come across someone who's a SaaS founder, you can go, hey, I have this five issue pop-up newsletter. Right. That's all about, you know, design basics for SaaS, whatever it is, right? Again, in this format, as opposed to the ongoing format, it also tweaks how you think about, basically, you're now going, what are the five emails I could send to a SaaS founder that's going to help them most? So it's a little different than the typical like ongoing newsletter model where I need to figure out this thing that's going to attract all these people into one thing. It gets to be hyper specific and you can pick whatever format you want. Maybe those are, you know, maybe those are like basically blog posts in each issues. Maybe they're curated. Maybe they're whatever. You can promote your audit within them. You can promote your other services, whatever. And all you're doing is you're creating it once. And once you've made those five, basically I'm saying issues, but once you've made those five emails for SaaS founders, you're going to use it forever. There's no more work other than getting people to sign up. When I think about it in your context, also you can turn it on and off because you're basically like, all I have to do is put in the work to create this five one. And, you know, maybe I do one a quarter, maybe I do a new one a quarter, maybe I do a new one a year, whatever. You can figure out whatever niches you want, but you don't have this commitment to every week I've got to be creating a new thing and whatever. So it also gives you more time flexibility. It's funny, I, I don't like the idea of lead magnet, but it's basically a lead magnet. Just frame differently you know you can think about it as here's a five issue course and whatever the thing is you're doing or right you know it's some kind of like ongoing evergreen value when i think about it and i go okay well like just looking at those two basic options which is more likely to get you clients and i think this is a key thing a key thing here is your goal is not subscribers the question is not which of these approaches is going to get you more subscribers. Right. The question is which of these approaches is going to get you more clients. Right. And it's going to be much easier, as you can imagine, to go, if you go to a SaaS founder and go, here's a five issue that's all there is, pop-up newsletter that's specifically about design for SaaS or whatever, that is way, you're going to get much higher conversion rate than here's an ongoing newsletter forever that's about how to communicate with designers or what like you're going to get the right people again there's no one way to do this sure but when i think about someone in your situation and your 
goals, it's a more interesting route to go, or at least again, experiment with, you know, six months of a weekly newsletter, you actually could create four different five issue with the same amount of effort. You could create four different niche five issue pop-up newsletters, have those assets, use them forever and never have to even do another one if you don't want. It's an exciting idea, honestly, because, you know, I'm sure a lot of people are in this position. You know, in my head, I've been like, I need a newsletter that goes out every week and I need to put something yep. on social media every day to bring people mm -hmm. into the pipeline to get to the newsletter. So some of those people realize that I can help them and I can just do the yep. work that I'm really good at, which is making great designs for people. So it's like all this just to get to the thing. And some of it's, I hope I have the time to do the designs at the end. Yeah. All this content yeah. I have to make. So that's really helpful. So I'm curious how this fits into a general content ecosystem, because I still, the idea of building awareness of mm -hmm. me as an expert that can help people and getting in front of my potential clients on LinkedIn, which is where I think mm -hmm. them are, what is that process? What is the rest of the kind of ecosystem around? So there's a couple of things here, right? If you go this model, everything you create in these can be repurposed as social content. So let's say, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I'm just going to use like what I did for the game changer model. Like I didn't create original content for it. It's not my niche. It didn't. So it, those are just curated, but you certainly could. But let's say you have five items, a basic like type curated newsletter. I'm not saying this is what you would do. You might do more original stuff, but yeah. whatever, you know, so each issue has five things. So I can just reshare those on social. I can turn that into social. You have so much of it that you can reuse it over and over again over time, especially if you have multiple of these pop-ups, like you have plenty of stuff that you're going to be able to repurpose on social. You don't need to constantly, you know, if you have five items in each issue and you have five issues per topic, that's 25 pieces of content per niche. Yeah. And if you do three of them, you have 75 pieces of content across three of your key niches. There's plenty you can rotate through and repurpose on social. The other thing, and I have not done this yet, but it's really interesting. I didn't realize it until I sort of put this pop-up newsletter out, is when you do a pop-up newsletter like this, you have the ability to always iterate and change it because new people are coming in. So what I realized was I can look at, so for example, I can look at issue one of my pop-up newsletter. And now that I've had you know hundreds of subscribers go through it, and I can see lots of people click these two links. Nobody clicks link three. Maybe I'll switch link three. And so theoretically, so again, taking your SaaS one, let's say SaaS niche as an example, yeah. you could create it and you get a hundred subscribers for it over time or whatever. And you go, nobody's clicking this one. I'm going to find something else to replace. So over time, you can iterate and actually ensure each issue is getting better and better and stronger. Yeah. You could also iterate your own promotions within it. So you might go in issue one where I plug the audit in this way. Well, maybe I'll switch it out and plug it in this other way and more people are clicking it and that's better. So that's another thing that's really interesting is to not only think of it as an asset, but think of it an asset that can be iterated on and continue to evolve that over time I could theoretically get to a thing that I'm like, oh my God, like that, you know, people like love, like it's forever improving. So along those lines, it's an asset that you create once and you're done with, but that doesn't mean that down the road, you come up with a new product, you, you do an interview, you write a blog post, you now go, okay, well, I'm going to add it to, yeah, you're not going to send a new issue, but I'm going to add it to one of the exist. I mean, you can send a new issue, but 
you know, you could say my five issue pop to pop up now becomes a six issue, but you can do whatever. But I think that's an interesting option that you don't have with a typical newsletter, either the ability to continue to continually improve those issues. Yeah, that's such a great angle. I really like it. I like the idea of limiting the amount of... Yeah, you lose all the pressure of, oh, I have to put something new out every week. Here's the other thing that's really interesting that you could do is you could test interest in specific niches. What I like about it is it's always so much easier to create really valuable stuff the more narrow and specific it is. Totally. But like you're, but, but what's interesting is if you're going to do an ongoing newsletter, like one, you're going, I'm not going to do it just for SaaS because my business isn't just SaaS, right. but I'll do five issues just for SaaS and have that as an asset forever, or, you know, whatever page. niche it is. That could be dedicated yep. just to that, or I could have another general page, which is yeah. which business do you have? Sign up for the one that fits. Yeah. You. And I think can... about when we string all this together with offer and sales page and newsletter, I'm just using yeah, SaaS yeah. as an example of any niche, right? But all of a sudden you're going to SaaS founders, you're going to groups, you're running ads and SaaS newsletters that are promoting your pop-up design for SaaS newsletter. That SaaS founder signs up for that. They get a plug in that for the audit for SaaS websites that takes them to a sales page that's specifically about audit for SaaS, your conversion rates are going to go way up. Yeah, that's really helpful. And just to kind of go back really quickly to the yeah. original question, which is the concept itself. It sounds like some of the things you're telling me this, you know, that, yeah, I, I hear you what you're saying, like how to talk to a designer doesn't necessarily align exactly. Let's say that it's, we're saying SaaS companies and I'm going to talk about the kinds of design that they might need. So they're looking at landing pages. They're looking at branding. They probably, you know, some of them go to trade shows and they need like trade show design and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. Let's say this five episode, you know, five episode, five issue newsletter yeah. is here's how to make a great landing page. Here's how to make a great trade yep. show thing. Do you think that format fits really well? Yeah. Okay. Yep. By the way, think about that. Think of, and again, this is where the specificity is, right? And the one thing I would say is when you do it, maybe it's not how to make it because a lot of them already have yes. it. So that was the angle so, I was taking with the design thing, which is here's how to, here are the components that you need for when you work with your right. designer. So I had also written out some things that are like, here are the things you need to get started with your project to give to your designer. So maybe there's like a mm -hmm. deliverable angle that makes a lot of sense. Because mm -hmm. I was trying in a way, I think we had a conversation a while ago where you said something really smart, which was like, help train your future client, your ideal client. Yeah. Give them, you know, so a lot of this is, here's how to communicate effectively to get what you want out of your designer. Here's how to prepare for a project. Because I have so many mm -hmm. people that come in to start a design and they're like, build a website. And you're like, but for what? You know? And they don't have that yeah. ready. So it's like helping people have the tools. Well, you know what's interesting? And I'm not, again, I'm just sort of riffing here. I'm not saying this is exactly the way to do it, but it's interesting to think about. It's interesting to think about when you reframe what that audit is mm -hmm. and you go, this is, I'm giving them an action, but it's an audit. We know that, but whatever language is, right? Like it's an action plan for your thing. It'd be interesting. And let's just say hypothetically within one of these niche, right? It's an action plan for SaaS websites or whatever. It'd be interesting to think about these pop-up newsletters as that, but it's general advice. Mm -hmm. So the first step is you go, you get this free newsletter that gives you general advice, best practices, whatever, action plan to improve your, to create or improve your SaaS website. The step up from that free newsletter is get specific with your site 
hire me. So it's the same, perfectly aligned. I signed up for a newsletter because I want to know best practices or action plan to improve my SaaS website. This was really helpful. Now I want this guy, I want to hire this guy to give me specific advice for mine. That's perfectly aligned. And there's a difference because obviously you can only talk about in generalities and there's a difference between looking at people's exact, you know, and you can see how I'm reading the site and he's giving me great advice. And then it's want to know what's missing on your site. One personal, one-on-one, whatever. Then hire the audit, the action plan, the cut, you know, now they're hiring, now they're paying for a sort of one-on-one custom thing about their thing. And then a step beyond that is they actually hire you to do this stuff. Yeah. So that is like per, that's like perfectly aligned newsletter leads to audit product leads to done for you. All right. If that makes sense. See, there you go. There you go. And by the way, I should mention like this pop-up newsletter concept. If anyone's listening to this and is, oh my God, that'd be awesome. I'd love to have somebody create it for me. That is a, a service that I'm offering. Like I said, I did that game changer for a sponsor. You know, the other nice thing about the pop-up is, you know, maybe you're like, well, I still don't really, I'm not a newsletter guy, whatever. If you want to hire me to create some, uh, I don't mean you, but I'm saying anyone watching this, you too. But anyone watching this, who wants to hire me to create that essentially newsletter asset to draw people into you. Let me know, josh at joshspector.com. But yeah, I think it it really, there's a nice alignment for you there. And that newsletter is coming out of the products you offer. And now, whereas I know we talked before is your target audience doesn't want to learn how to do design. But once you go into sort of pop-up newsletter world, it changes everything because they're like, okay, well, I don't want a, an email a week from this guy forever talking about design because that's not my thing. But, oh, he's going to send me the five key things that I can look and see if our website's doing. That's different. They'll do that. And I think that's where the sort of pop-up newsletter sort of limited concept versus ongoing thing just completely changes the decision-making and allows you to showcase your expertise. And like you said, it's sort of like a course and it's a whatever. And I think aligns really nicely with your audit product. And the specificity, and because it's not ongoing forever, that ability allow you to create multiple in different niches gets really interesting. And by the way, I haven't done it, but like the when I first started thinking about pop-up newsletters, that was part of what I was thinking about is I was like, what if I created like the old, you know, if I took my best advice for people about how to use Twitter, for example, and create, I'm not going to do a Twitter newsletter, but I could do five issues right. about how to grow on Twitter and that would probably be really helpful for people and really compelling for people that want that specific. And by the way, five is a random number. You could do yeah, three yeah. issues. You could do, I'm, I just pick it because, you know, oh, one other tip that when I, because when I was first creating this, like you have to figure, like you have this idea and then you have to figure out all these like little things. And I was like, do I send a welcome email and then the first issue? And that's what I would typically do. But I realized with this, I was like, no, just send the first issue right away. And I think that's why it has an 80 plus percent I was like, I don't need a welcome email. This isn't a typical, my typical newsletter advice would be welcome email and have them reply. And I'm like, get them right into it. And so a five, something valuable. And a five issue newsletter, when the first sign up is the first issue, actually plays out like over, it's not five weeks, it's actually over four weeks, yeah. sort of. Yeah. Anyway, okay. I know we've gone all over the place. I promise this would be quick and to the point. It's not, but I think, but hopefully it's really valuable. And I think the reason why I wanted to talk to you about this on the show is I think like your situation is so similar to so many people in my audience who are trying to figure out this stuff and 
offers and sales page and newsletter alignment and all of that. Thank you so much for coming on and you offer a great service. So tell people where they can go to check out your stuff, your audit, which we will no longer be calling an audit. And also what I think is really going to be appealing probably to a lot of my audience is that, you know, monthly design service, which I think is great for sort of solopreneurs who need a bunch of stuff and don't think they can hire a, a designer or whatever. But so yeah, where can people get more of your stuff? Yeah, totally. They can go to designbolt.co and for the audit, it's designbolt.co slash audit. And I'm also on LinkedIn, Josh Shane, S-H-A-Y-N-E. And for me, again, my newsletter for theinterested.com slash subscribe. If you would like to come on this podcast and ask me three questions, again, it's the ultimate cheat code. You're basically getting free consulting and promotion built in. Go to joshspector.com slash questions. My skill sessions, I'm telling you, if you like my podcast, you will absolutely love my skill sessions. Go to joshspector.com slash sessions. You can buy them there individually or you can become a member and get all of them for just $197 a year, which is a crazy deal. And yeah, I'm on Twitter all the time at Jay Spector. That's it. Thanks everyone for your interest. I will see you next week. Have a great week. Thanks, Josh. Do it, everybody. Get yeah. all the things from Josh. He's so helpful. Yeah, there you go. You should just, in general, everyone should buy anything from anyone named Josh. That's what we recommend. <laughs> so, That's the official policy of this show. That's the new title. All right, see ya. Thanks.